0: Mark Bolger may disagree with that second-best quarterback out of Pittsburgh Central, so we'll have to check, the, check those rankings. So, uh, you know, certainly I um, want to thank Commissioner Sankey for the tremendous leadership that he provides for our, for our conference, so uh, thank you for everything that you do there. Uh, certainly honored and privileged to represent Mississippi State in the best conference in the country uh, at this tremendous event. Uh, you know, I want to thank the assembled media. We certainly appreciate the hard work and effort put forth uh, to provide coverage and content for Mississippi State, for the SEC. Uh, and for the incredibly passionate fan bases uh, of our Bulldogs, and, uh, and for our country, for our uh, conference as well. Uh, you know, Commissioner Sankey mentioned. Uh, you know, Dan Marino. And I did play uh, quarterback at the same high school as in Pittsburgh Central Catholic, and believe it or not, I, I did play quarterback. Uh, and part of the part of the reason before uh, part of the reason for the diet and losing some weight that I was tired of uh, you know all the recruits on the trail asking me if I played right or left tackle uh, rather than how many yards I passed for in, for in college. So uh, you know that was part of it. Um, you know, growing up in Pittsburgh, certainly idolized Dan Marino. You know, thought fancied myself a bit of a, a strong-armed uh, pocket passer. You know, room covered with posters and a uh, war number. 13 from the fifth grade when I started playing ball at St. Bartholomew Elementary all the way up to my junior year in high school. So, uh, Central Catholic decided that my junior year in high school is when they wanted to retire Dan's jersey. So they brought him, and I wasn't even a starter at that point. So they brought him back. They, uh, they had a ceremony. They retired the jersey. And I uh, still wore 13 for the JV team that year. But my senior year, I had to switch to number 12. Uh, and that, that went pretty well. Got an opportunity to go to Fordham and play quarterback there. Wore number 12 the whole time there. And then for my one glorious season with the Munich Cowboys of the uh, European Federation of American Football, I uh, switched back and finished my career with a. Uh, with number 13. And obviously, everyone remembers Dan's career, you know, at Pitt, kind of highlighted by that Sugar Bowl win over Georgia, you know, the, the fourth down touchdown pass to, to John Brown and his record-setting career with the Dolphins and, you know, ending in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I kind of figured I was going to be able to use this opportunity that, uh, you know, since Dan, he, he forced me out of my number uh, in my senior year in high school and that I am one of his biggest fans. And, you know, when my Fordham staff kind of strong-armed me to start Twitter a bunch of years ago, you know, obviously, you start following recruits. And then you follow, you know, accounts you find humorous, you you, you know, your childhood idols. I actually got Dwight Gooden to follow me back recently. I figured that the least that uh, Dan could do, you know, was hit me with a follow-back, and I've tried the follow-unfollow trick about 50 times to no avail. You know, he played for Jackie, and I've tried to use that card. Terrell Buckley was a teammate of his on the Dolphins and nothing, so if uh, Dan's out there and he's an SEC fan, if he's listening, uh, I sure would appreciate a follow-back at ball coach Joe Moe, and if If I do get that follow back, I'd like to invite you to a game in Starkville. And as Pittsburgh people will know, I'll have a cold case of Iron City uh, on ice waiting for them. So, there's that. All right, Uh, certainly, uh, you know, with the season about 50 days away, you know, it's the time of year for, for reflection and projection, uh, to look a bit in the rearview mirror to see what's behind us, and also through the front windshield to see, you know, most importantly what's in front of us. And certainly for our 2018 season, I'm very proud of what we accomplished. I think we set a solid solid foundation for this fall, and uh, also one for, for our program as well. As Commissioner Sankey mentioned, uh, eight regular season wins, tied for the most for any first year coach in school history, you know, beat two top 25 teams at home, uh, then number six uh, Auburn, and Number 19, Texas A&M, finished the college football playoff ranking uh, 18th, which was the second highest in school history, uh, final FBS poll ranking of 25, qualified for a New Year's Day Bowl, uh, won a game that's very important to our players, to our state, uh, and to our university, you know, won the Egg Bowl 35-3, to 6-1 at home, uh, had an undefeated non-conference record, you know, five draft picks, three in the first round, and had a high semester GPA for the fall and for the spring in program history and put 27 guys on on the uh, SEC academic honor roll. So that was something we were very proud of in our first season here at Mississippi State. Uh, Followed that up from a recruiting standpoint. You know, we finished with another top 25 class. And I think that's a tribute to our staff and our plan and the belief in our program by players, parents, coaches, you know, in our state, in our footprint and nationally. And I think from a recruiting standpoint, I think, you know, we need to be a little bit unique in our approach. You know, I think Mississippi State lacks a little bit of the the immediate and long-term kind of championship tradition that some of the teams in our conference do and some of the bells and whistles from a facility standpoint. You know, we've gotten tremendous support from, uh, you know, Dr. King and Mr. Cohn and and our administration. You know, we have new locker rooms in in our stadium and in our um, in our facility, we have a new recruiting lounge, new player meeting rooms, and we're doing everything we can to, to uh, you know, upgrade those things And because I know that's important uh, to kids and to their families and, and to our players. And, you know, if you had an opportunity to see Duty Noble Field, you know, the new, the new baseball stadium, you know, they, they refer to it as the, the, uh, the Carnegie Hall baseball stadiums. It shows that Mississippi State's willing to make that commitment uh, to having the, the, the best things possible to give us a chance to be successful on the field and in recruiting. You know, I think with recruiting, we've got do a great job identifying, evaluating, and developing relationships. I think when you look at this past year's class, I think we had a bunch of in-state, highly recruited prospects, uh, and those were players who wanted to stay at home and really could have gone anywhere in the country. Jarion Jones, Nathan Picker, and Demonte Russell, Brandon Cunningham. I think we did a great job in our footprint uh, and nationally on players who were highly ranked or highly recruited. You know, Garrett Schrader, our quarterback, could have gone just about anywhere. You know, Martin Emerson, a guy out of Florida, was a guy who had a lot of choices, and they decided to come to Mississippi State. But I think most importantly, you know, when you look at the stars, you look at the rankings, you look at the number of offers. I think Mississippi State is in a unique position where we're located geographically that there are guys that fly under the radar a little bit. And I think when you look at two guys in our class, uh, J.P. Purvis from Pilahatchie, who played exclusively quarterback in, in high school and we're, we're, we're going to play him at safety. And then Lee Witherspoon from right here in Alabama, didn't play tailback to his senior year in high school, You know, averaged 19 yards a carry and set a, school, a state record for 60 touchdowns. You know, Those are guys that we've got to continue to identify and develop. You know I think we're going to continue to bring in players who are talented who are hungry uh, who it's important to them to get a gr- get a degree and that they're passionate about Mississippi State and our vision and, and what we have to offer. You know, moving forward into this season, certainly, uh, you know, we lost a lot of personality and production on both sides of the ball that we're going to need to replace. You know, offensively, we're going to have a great quarterback battle uh, between KT and uh, Tommy Stevens, who are we able to bring in. I think we have good youth at that position as well, a lot of talent. You know, Kyle Hill, I think at running back, is poised for a breakout season. You know, right in the 700-yard range last year. You know, missed a few games for injury, but I think he's he's really ready to go and have a great season. You know, backed up by Nick Gibson there. Bring back Osiris Mitchell and Steven Guidry, both who had 400 yards. You know, a lot of production at the slot comes back. And, uh, you know, we've augmented that with, uh, you know, Isaiah Zuber, a uh, graduate transfer from Kansas State, as well as Javonta Payton, a uh, junior college player. And then Fraud Green the tight ends, our leader in the clubhouse. I think tight end may be as deep as any position that we have and have a bunch of good talent and youth there as well. Uh, Darrell Williams spearheads our offensive line. And I think with any great team, the mentality of, of uh, championship-level teams are dictated by the offensive and defensive line. And I feel very good about our depth and our talent at O-line. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the performance of that that side of the ball, you know, being the number one defense in the SEC in the country last year, led by Bob Shute, uh, who was a Broyles Award finalist. He did an unbelievable job with his staff. Uh, I think the defensive lines where we're going to have to, you know, find the, the most answers the quickest. Uh, we lost all four starters, uh, Montez and Gary, both defensive ends to the draft, as well as Jeffrey Simmons inside and Braxton Hoyette signed a contract as well. But we also lost our three primary interior guys to graduation as well. I think at the defensive end position uh, between Marquis Spencer, Kobe, Fletcher, and Chauncey Rivers, we have some talent there, and those guys played snaps last year. You know, on the inside, uh, Kendall Jones, Lee Autry, uh, Fabian Lovett, Jaden Crumedy, Devon Robinson. And we, we, we've got guys that are talented. We just need a bunch of reps for them there. I think our linebacking uh, core is as talented as anyone in the conference or in the country, uh, led by. Uh Harrell, one of our captains, Willie Gay, Leo Lewis, and Tim Washington, and certainly have some good young guys there. Uh, at defensive back, we return two of the five. Uh, Brian Cole and Cam Dantzler uh, have to replace, you know, uh, both safeties in our boundary quarter, Jamal Peters, but I think we have some talent there, and are certainly excited there. At the kicking position, you know, Jace Chrisman and Jordan Lawless uh, battling there. Uh, punter, uh, Tucker Day, and Cor- Corliss Waitman in the battle, and then certainly the long snapping and, and returning jobs are, are ones that are up for grabs for so I'm certainly excited for the mix of – uh said excited a lot – excited for the mix of return of players and the influx of young talent. And I think any time you have that number of positions open, it breeds competition it forces everyone to improve and get better. And, uh, you know, I think that's where we are heading into the season. I think our off-season program has done phenomenally, uh, led by Corey Bechet, uh and his staff. We lost Anthony Paroli to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we promoted Corey, and he's done a phenomenal job. And then the message to our guys this summer was, you know, that they're not doing anything unique. I think you look at every team in the SEC and every team in the country, you know, they're lifting, they're running, they're throwing seven-on-seven and doing individual drills on their own. Uh, And it's not just about what are we doing, but how are we doing it. Uh, Are we we focusing on little things? Do we have extra effort? Are we not making excuses? And are are we investing our time rather than spending it? And the thing that I like most about what I see from our team right now from the off-season program, and you hear a lot of coaches use the word culture, I think that that 's very important and led by Dara Williams, uh, Errol Thompson, who were both selected captain by our, by our team at the end of spring, and fraud Greens here with us as well. I think the leadership, the accountability, and most important the chemistry uh, are heading in the right direction right now in year two. And I think it's not as much about the leadership aspect of it is, is the receptiveness to leadership, where if a guy's getting on someone for not touching a line or being on time or, or an effort, it's not, hey, worry about you, I've got this. It's guys understanding that the receptiveness to, to, uh, to leadership is, most impo- is, is as important as the ability to lead. Uh, you know, heading into this season, obviously our program goals, uh, those will never change for us. You know, number one, first and foremost, is to graduate 100% of our Mississippi State players. Uh, with a meaningful degree and prepare them with the tools to become productive and responsible citizens. Every player wants to go to the NFL, but not every player is going to have that opportunity. Uh, the average career length in the NFL is roughly 3.5 years because you get your pension at four, and we want to make sure when our guys leave Starkville, they have that piece of paper in a frame that they hang up on the wall uh, that no one can take from them. The game of football can be taken, but your education can't. We want to make sure that uh, we understand that success on the field and success in the classroom are not, they're not mutually exclusive, that they can and will coexist here. Uh, our Football goals, Uh, as always, we want to have a winning non conference record. We want to have a winning conference record. Uh, And you do those things, that puts you in a position to be in the hunt for the, uh, the SEC championship. We want to retain the Egg Bowl. You know, our floor for success is bowl eligibility, our ceiling for success is winning the SEC and compete for the national championship. And lastly, we want to make sure we impact Starkville, Mississippi State University, and the state of Mississippi in a positive manner. Our kids are in a very fortunate position, uh, as am I, to be in charge of an SEC program, uh, that we want them to have a great understanding, great perspective of you have a bad practice, a bad day, you know, you fail a test, kind of pales in comparison to some of the things that, that people in our state are going through. Uh, we took a gr- group of guys up to Baston Children's Hospital in Jackson yesterday and spent some time with them. And I, I just think it's crit- critically important for our guys that as much as they receive, we do a great job giving back. Uh, so definitely, like I mentioned, one, one last time, excited for the season. You know, I'm very cautiously optimistic uh, because of the holes we have to fill, but, but, it, but you know, fired up about the talent we have. And, you know, we're uh, just going to have to take it at a one-at-a-time mentality once fall camp starts. You know, one, one rep, one drill, one period, one day, one practice, and keep stacking those on top of each other when we get to the season. You know, it's kind of going to be back to the old uh, Mississippi State, you know, blue-collar, chip-on-the-shoulder mentality that we're really going to have to, to earn everything that we, that we get this season. So thank you all for your attention. Really appreciate your time. And uh, any questions? Thank you, Coach Morehead. If you have a question, please raise your hand.
1: We'll get a microphone to you. Amanda, Jordan, and Sarah. We'll get a microphone. Uh, we'll start right up here front, Coach, on the aisle. Again, if you'll stand and give your name and affiliation. Uh, Coach, Drew DeArman, WZZ WZZN Radio Huntsville, Alabama. I wanted to ask you about both your captains, Darrell Williams from Bessemer, Alabama, and then, of course, Errol Thompson from Florence.
0: Talk about their development as players and, and their, what they could mean to your team this year on both sides of the ball. Uh, they both did a phenomenal job last year. You know, with uh, you know Daryl being able to play all all the interior positions and now moving him over to center shows his flexibility. Uh, and Errol, you know, graded eyes is one of the top. You look at PFF and some of those other things. Graded eyes is one of the top linebackers in the country. And to me, the uh, ability for a player to be successful is not just as as much about the tangible traits and production as it is the intangibles. And for those two guys to be elected captain by their peers, you know, after spring ball, uh, I think it says a lot about you know what they bring to the table. Uh, you know, outside of, uh, of what happens between the white lines. And I think when you combine their intangible traits with their tangible traits, they're, they're going to be two special players this year and, and have an opportunity to play at the next level as well. Coach, we'll go over to the right section on the near aisle. This is near Blake
1: aisle. Topmeyer, Knoxville News Sentinel. Joe, what made Bob Shoup the right fit to run your defense last year and how different is his challenge this season?
0: Yeah, I think Bob, you know, you look back at his track record, uh, as a coordinator at every level he's been, that it's been a top 15, top 10, uh, you know, statistically in scoring defense and uh, yardage. And I know there was some kind of scuttlebutt about it and there are, you know, question marks of, you know, what had happened to Tennessee. But, you know, Bob grew up in the town next to me. I've known him for a very long time. And to me, one season or two never defines, you know, a, a coach's ability or what he's done over, over an extended period of time. But Bob is incredibly intelligent. Uh, He takes input from his guys, and in his only kind of unique Ivy League way, uh, he does a great job communicating with the kids, putting a plan together, and and he dials it up pretty well on game day. So, obviously, very excited about what Bob did. And I think his challenge will just be, uh, you know, our ability to reload rather than rebuild because we lost so many uh, critical pieces, but I'm confident, you know, he and his staff to to put us in position uh, entering the season. Coach, we'll go over here to our left on the second row. Bob?
1: Uh, hey, hey, Joe, Bob, Holt, Arkansas, Side Democrat Gazette. Uh, well, what is that? Uh, what does Tommy Stevens, uh, you know, bring to the table for you guys? And he could be one of five transfer, graduate transfer quarterbacks, I guess, to to start in the SEC. What do you think about that trend? And and you know, having that many transfer quarterbacks in the league?
0: Yeah, obviously, you know, I've been exposed to Tommy and coaching for two years at Penn State, and I think he or any quarterback that we coach or bring into our system. Uh, we want the um, quarterback to be able to beat you with his his brain, his, his arm, and his legs. And I think Tommy is a, a kid with a lot of physical tools, strong arm. He can really run. Uh, you know, he's he's accustomed to the system, so he's going to understand it. You know, for the most part, coming in. And uh, you know, I think he brings a you know a lot of talent to the position. And I think the uh, the competition is going to be an exciting one. And it's going to make the position better. It's going to make our offense better. And it's going to make our team better. Okay, well. the portal part. Yeah, I I think that position, you know, probably is a little bit unique that that for the most part only one can play and uh, in recruiting in this conference and at this level, uh, it's not like receiver where you play three at a time or O-line where you play five or where you rotate carries between a a tailback. You know, there's one guy that plays and and they want to play. So, you know, certainly, uh, you know, in the best interest of the student athlete, changes were made and decisions were made to give them the opportunity uh, to move on if they chose to do so. So, It's just part of the the landscape uh, of college football right now. We'll go in the center section about four rows back.
1: Good afternoon, Coach Moorhead. How you doing? Doing good. Steven Smith of Touchdown Alabama magazine. You brought up a lot of points about the defense and how physical you got how, how physical you guys are, even with losing some pieces to the next level. Typically, when you guys play Alabama, it's a tough game, it's a physical game, it's a hard nose game. But on the offensive side, how what do you want to see from your guys in matching that physicality that Alabama Alabama has offense.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, and I think I probably, I have the utmost respect for Coach Saban and his staff and, and his team. They, they've done it the best for the longest amount of time. And, you know, I, I think every time, you know, they come to Starkville or we go to Tuscaloosa, it's going to be a battle and it's going to be a physical football game. You know, obviously, our defense did a great job against uh, Alabama throughout the season. And I think our biggest challenge for the offense this year uh, will be our ability to... Um, Balance out the run in the pass game. You know, I think we were second in the SEC in Russian last year averaged roughly 225 a game and We're able to run it successfully on most teams But for us to be the type of offense we want to be and the team that we want to be to compete for a championship We need to improve our efficiency uh, and our explosiveness in the pass game And you look at teams who've won the championships whether it be the SEC or the national championship They've run the ball successfully, but they've also been able to uh, you know throw the thing down the field to create explosive plays so Uh, To answer your question, you know, offensively we want to continue to do what we're doing in the run game and improve upon that. But we've we've got to be way better throwing the ball and and not be one-dimensional. Coach, we'll go down here to our right on the fourth row, just here in the right section.
1: Tyler Horka, Jackson Clary and Ledger. Joe, last year at this time, you were getting questions about Southern food and your introduction to the South and the SEC. Now that you've been here for a full year, how much more comfortable are you in leading an SEC team, and how much do you think comfort level is important in having success on the field?
0: That's that's a good question. I I think like anything, a year's worth of time, you learn things, and you've got to be really introspective, I think, as a leader, and you've got to look in the mirror, not out the window. And people ask, what was the thing that you've learned the most, and probably – you know, outside of kind of learning about the team or X's and O's or, or, or specific uh, things that relate to game performance. You know, I look back at, at a year's time and really kind of when I took the job is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I'm changing what our goals are, but the approach of coming off the plane, guns blazing, you know, uh, talking about, you know, ring sizes and Heisman trophies and, you know, what in in the – um, expectation level of the team entering the season, you know, prior to me even getting there, and I, and I and I think what I did with that, without knowing kind of the history and the context of how difficult it is to to win in this league and specifically Mississippi State, where there's two 10-win seasons in, in school history, and uh, you know, two two championship appearances, one in '98 and one before World War World War II in '41, and, 41. and I, I think what I may have may have done is elevated the expectation level to a point where nothing that we did short of a championship was going to make people happy, and, 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 I, and I wouldn't have changed the goals, but I probably would have kept it a little bit more in-house because I, I, I think that was on me, and then, you know, people would, you know, then it became, well, you're underachieving, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. We're, we stood here last year, and we were picked to finish third in the conference. We finished fourth, and if Texas A&M hadn't beat LSU, we would have been third. We were picked to finish 18th in the AP poll, and our college football playoff ranking was 16, and, you know, ESPN puts out the over-under stuff, and... You know, it was eight and a half, and we had eight. So I, I think me kind of doing some of those things early on may not have been fair to the guys because anything that we did may not, have, may not have been good enough. So that's one thing that I learned that, you know, I, I probably should have researched a little bit more into our team, who we were and what we were capable of doing from a historical context. I started talking about ring sizes and other things like that. All right, we'll go in the center section all the way at the back. Over
1: here, go to the left. Hey Joe uh, Brooks Gabina from the Advocate. Um, Hello, what,
0: what are the biggest keys uh, in program building for year two for you? Can you repeat that one more time, please? Uh, what, what are the biggest keys in building your program in year two that you've only really, you talked a little bit about there? But um, maybe just more from the program sense of it. Yeah, I, I think I think you know from an overall perspective, it's not you know about the whats, but the hows and the whys, and, and all coaches use the term culture and you know, all those things, and, and, and I do. I, I want it for our fan base. I want them to be hungry for a championship, and I want them to be a little bit upset when we don't get it. And the challenge of taking over a program where Coach Mullen had done an excellent job building it to a certain level was taking the next step. And I think year two at all the places I've been, you've seen us take that next step and understanding that it's as much about, you know, the little things, the attention to detail, the accountability on and off the field as much as it is, you know, the X's and O's and how we perform. So I, I think in year two, I think you want to see an increase in the understanding, uh, you know, of the scheme. You want the players to have a better understanding and execution of it, but you also want to see that your culture take over a little bit more and the kids understand what the coaches uh, expect from them and in turn what they can expect from us.
1: Coach, we'll go over to this right section about three quarters of the way back in the middle. Uh, Lonnie Denbury, Kentucky Sports Report. Um, Joe, I was—I uh, know football players win uh, on the football field, uh, I, but I was curious as to how you feel that your home field event, uh, home field stacks up as opposed to where you were at, at Penn State when you come come to Mississippi State.
0: How does that compare? You said the atmosphere, huh? You said the atmosphere. How do they compare? Yes, uh huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the home I field. I—I think, th- I think, you know having the opportunity to to travel to a bunch of the places in in the SEC and play football games there. I I think Penn State probably provides a little bit of a a, a unique uh, set of circumstances where it it, it feels like it's the most SEC environment that I've been at that's not in the SEC. You know, you have 110,000 fans. Uh, If you're a bucket list person, you know, the whiteout game there at night is unlike – you know, most things that I've been. But, you know, you come, to, you come to Davis Wade with the cowbells and, you know, it's deafening and it's a unique environment. You know, playing a night game at LSU was, was, was incredibly challenging, Alabama and so on down the line. So I, I think Penn State, you know, provides, you know, that type of uh, atmosphere and experience and, uh, you know, fits right into to anything that we've done in the SEC.
1: Coach, we'll go over here on the right alongside the wall. Hey, Coach. Raymond Parch with 103.7 The Game in Lafayette. Uh, Two questions, you open up the season inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. How unique of an experience do you think that's going to be for you and your program? And the second part, do you anticipate the Raging Cajuns being a more improved team than the one that you faced last year when you beat them 56-10? to
0: Yeah, I was there for Steelers-Saints uh, when they knocked us out of playoffs. And I was there for the Stones two nights ago, so I was kind of checking it out and seeing, but they had it set up a little bit differently. I mean, that guy could put on a show. 77 years old, two and a half hours. It was dang impressive. But uh, back to your point, I think, it, like, like us, it'll be year two in the program. You know, I think that the coach is going to have his guys. a better understanding, you know, getting guys that he's recruited in and you know, certainly at the level they performed last year in, in game one. Uh, in a unique environment, every game at this level is challenging, so we're anticipating a great game. And again,
1: we remind you to stand if you can when you ask your question. We'll go over here to the left alongside the aisle. Hey, Coach Vince Ferrara, the sports animal in Knoxville. Can you talk about the dynamic of shared responsibility between quarterbacks and offensive linemen in terms of getting you in the proper pass protections? And are there times where quarterbacks are restricted in sliding protections and,
0: and how that dynamic works typically for you? So, Awesome. Very specific question. I like it. Um, We do not signal in the uh, protection to our quarterback when it's a drop-back pass. So what I learned from Walt Harris is when you do that, based on what the scheme or or, or the play call is and what the formation is, they need to know how to set the protection. So uh, our quarterback has the license – that, uh, you know he can turn the protection to where the pressure is, and he can make the change, and that communication goes through the offensive line so uh, certainly the quarterback and the o line, particularly the center, have to be in concert with each other uh, just in terms of identification of who the lines responsible for, who the back's responsible for, and that the protection does change based on where the pressure's coming you know how maybe a big on big protection goes to a slide uh, or vice versa so so that uh, that 's got to be a, a, a we want our guys to over-communicate and under-assume and certainly, you know, putting that onus on the quarterback to, you know, make a, uh, a good protection call better, you know, you know, something that, you know, we count on the quarterback to do.
1: Okay, Coach, we'll go over here to our right-hand side alongside the wall. Uh, hey, Coach. Bruce Marshall from Sports Byline USA, a fellow Pirates fan, and I have good news. Top of the fifth inning at Bush Stadium, 4-2 Bucks. Hashtag, let's go bucks. Love it. Yeah. Chris Archer contributing with an RBI single in the fourth.
0: Josh Bell. Yeah.
1: too. There you go. Uh, I want to get back, schedule question again. Like our friend from Lafayette said, how that game came about to be played at the Superdome against the Raging Cajuns. And that's a tricky game. I mean, they improved as last season went along. They have all these running backs and they run the football. You've got some rebuilding to do on your defense. Talk about the challenge of that game and the opener against the Cajuns.
0: Yeah, I think like anything, any, any opener where there's maybe a change in coordinator on either side of the ball and the tape is limited and uh, just not necessarily sure what you're going to see, whether it be from a new coach or a change of scheme like us. I'm sure they're doing off-season studies and kind of tweaking what they do on both sides of the ball. Like you know losing the like I said the personality and production that we, we did at uh, all of our uh, you know, I find opening games to be every game 's challenging, but opening games tend to be uniquely challenging just because of the uncertainty and uh, you know we got twenty nine opportunities in fall camp, and then we 'll get into game prep for for Lafayette and you know something that we do prior to camp starting is you know spend a whole day on on our up- our first three opponents so uh, next Tuesday or Wednesday, or no, the following Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll, we'll spend a day on Lafayette and kind of get a better feel from it from there. Okay, we'll take one final
1: question in the back of the middle section. Hey, Joe Brooks, uh, Cabina from The Advocate. How has the NCAA transfer portal uh, affected um, how you approach building
0: talent on your roster, just adding to it and retaining it also? Um, I don't think it's had necessarily much of an effect uh, in either instance. Um, you know, probably like every team, we, we have a guy on our, our recruiting staff who, who monitors it and sees who's available. And based on our positional need, uh, we, uh, you know, consider you know, any opportunity to, to, to make our team better. And, uh, you know, we had a grad- for, grad- for grad- graduate transfer punter that we signed out of South Alabama, a graduate transfer receiver out of Kansas State, and obviously Tommy. And, uh, you know, we, we, we think, you know, the, all three of those opportunities, you know, allowed our team to become better. So I think it's going to increase the talent. It's going to increase the competition level. And it, it just really, you know, it affects your numbers in recruiting at the tail end of it just because it's a, it's a one-year guy and you know that you're going to get that scholarship back uh, in that same recruiting class. Coach Moorhead, thank you for your time today. Thank you, guys. Hill State, God bless you